Downtown Productions in cooperation with Zone Radio presents Downtown, the podcast. From the historic Zone Radio studios, here's your host, Rich Kimball. Hey, hey, welcome in. It is Downtown, the podcast. Episode number 267. Rich Kimball here along with Carrie Haskell. And Downtown brought to you every week by Cross Insurance, where security meets strength. A couple of guys with books this week on the program, uh, talented folks. One of them, a former National Football League player who was the first openly bisexual player in the league. R.K. Russell joins us in the second half of the program. Up first, an Emmy award-winning television host. He has interviewed everybody in the business through the years. He's got a brand new book out. It's the uh, sequel to his best-selling first book, The Adventures of Spike the Wonder Dog. This one called Spike Unleashed. And as always... We had a wild time talking with the talented Bill Boggs. Bill, thank you for joining us again here on Downtown. Uh, anytime I can be in Maine, physically, spiritually, or even just my voice, I'm a happy man. So well, thank you very much for having me, Rich. It's good to be back. Well, time, has, time has flown since the spring of uh, 2020 when I was uh, first on your program with uh, the events despite the Wonder Dog. Well, the first book was so great, and Spike is such a, a terrific character. I am so excited that he's back. And, well, it sounds like some some interesting adventures for both Spike and Bud this time around, starting with uh, Bud's decision to buy the television station where Southern Exposure airs. Yeah, that's right. Well, the last book ended with with um, them getting a lot of money because Spike did, did a YouTube video that went all viral all over the world. So uh, Bud, who owns Spike, who's a talk show host like I have been in my life, and Bud and Spike are media stars. They, they've gone to New York. They were successful there. But they go back to North Carolina where they started out to buy the station and try to create a big, a huge uh, talk show out of it. Anyway, so that, that's where it starts. But then it just spins off because the actual guy who owns the station saw the old Swede Silverman who is really 93, but he pretends he's 102 because he's like an arch-typical horny old man. He thinks he can get more chicks, if, to use his words, uh, if they think he's over 100. He's, once, they're over 100, once you're over 100, they throw themselves at you. And he's got this new invention. The book's filled with inventions, Rich, that I came up with. He's got this invention called the V-plus watch. And it, it is a collaboration between Apple watch and viagra and it gives time doses to, to really old men uh through the watch uh the only problem with the, the v plus watch if it's not if the carburetors are not adjusted properly uh it would be rigidness in the limbs <laughs> there's a whole, yeah there's a whole scene where he's on this date in his house and everything like that and suddenly his, his leg flies his arm flies up like in a nazi salute then his leg <laughs> his leg flies up and Bud is observing all this the book is this is by the way this is r-rated humor the, uh, the spike unleashed is designed to make you laugh it's like uh, 300 whatever pages designed with hopefully a laugh on every page i started my career as a comedy writer and i somehow hitched my i've hitched my uh, writing fingers to the voice 
of a dog who actually speaks to me. I mean, I'm, I'm not like son of Sam here, but <laughs> not that we're psycho, but and uh, the, the dog has been observed as the, the dog. A couple of critics said this is the funniest dog, Spike the Wonder Dog, ever to be in fiction. So Spike Unleashed is his is his next tale, and it it goes in a lot of different directions. He ends up getting cast in a movie called Florida Man with um, uh, Jim Carrey and um, Tim Allen and Prince Harry playing Florida Man himself, because it turns out that. Prince Harry's big lucrative Netflix deal has a, a, a clause in it that he has to be in one movie a year where he takes a, a character that's not like him. So he gets to play a heavily tattooed Florida man that Jim uh, Carrey has come back, bringing his Ace Ventura uh, character back to try to track down. So it goes in a lot of different directions, the book. But it ends up, it ends up with... Uh, Spike's nemesis, I, I got money piles uh, coming back into the picture and a lot of trouble with him. So there's big action at the end. And the denouement of the book really moves fast, a lot of action. Now, I, I don't know what happens on, on Florida Man, but it, it must be a pretty good experience for Lucy Arnez, who is a character uh, on the show as well, because she, she did a blurb for the book, so it must not have ended badly for her. No, she comes up, she plays... Tim Allen's wife in the in the movie Florida Man, and there's a but basically I, within the book there are a couple of constructed scenes like scene 22, but Spike meets alligator and so forth because the Florida Man is obsessed with with uh, alligators and he, he's got the Lacoste crocodiles tattooed all over him from the shirt that he has. He thinks they're alligators, but but they're really crocodiles. Anyway. Uh, you got to read it. It's difficult to, it, honestly, it's difficult to describe what I'm trying to do in Spike Unleash, and what I think I've done based on what the critics have said, is really send up some major elements in our society. Um, celebrity worship, for mm -hmm. example, or the anger that's in our society right now, uh, or the, the, for example, one or our worship of celebrities. We've never been more into celebrities than through social media. So one of the characters in the book is an inventor, Rich. Uh, he's come up with this invention, celebrity breath strips. And they're like those little green Listerines, the breath mint strips, you know, except these are the actual scent of your favorite celebrity's breath. So women all over the world can use uh, Taylor Swift breath strips and their breath when they're breathing out will have the same scent lovely scent as taylor swift's breath so celebrity that's one example the b plus watch angry man meals this character shows up on the program <laughs> saying you know men are angry today we are angry about a lot and we we realize we like being angry so i've created food to serve the new anger market and then there's a whole thing about these angry man meals designed. The food is so bad, it's got to make you angry. Plus, he throws in some steroids and uh, stuff like that. Now, I understand, too, Bill. Go ahead, Rich. No, Go ahead. I, I understand, too, that uh, if, when we read Spike Unleashed, we may find out the real source of QAnon. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you right now if you want to know. Oh, I mean, no, yes. I an, an exclusive, I'll, yes. I'll tell you this. Um, the, um, it turns out that... Um, while they're in Florida, 
a news bulletin comes across. I actually happened to be uh, on a TV show where the news comes in. Uh, and the news is that uh, the, the actual QAnon is, is a, a voice speaking through the semi-defrosted head of Ted Williams, the baseball player. Um, and um, this is, of course, disavowed immediately. But these people who want to believe that, it, that QAnon is actually speaking through Ted's defrosted head, that the head does an interview with Bob Costas, <laughs> which he denies any connection with QAnon and only asks to be reunited with his body. Because folks listening may not remember that the baseball great from Boston down there, Ted Williams, his head was frozen. They didn't freeze his whole body. They just took the poor guy's head and froze it, and it's in a cryonics chamber. <laughs> I don't know where that idea came, but everybody everybody who's read that one about the voice of QAnon that seems to enjoy it. Bob Costas liked it, too. He's another one who gave us a nice review of the book. And I see even Brian Cox from Succession had great things to say about Spike Unleashed. Can you read what, I don't want to brag, but read what Brian Cox said. Yeah, well, let me read it to you, if I can, uh, let me find it. Here we go. Uh, Brian Cox says, this book is an absolute delight. This is an exceedingly funny inside look at the foibles of the business of show. And only Spike, with his hapless master bud in hand, could innocently expose his tail in such a brilliantly acerbic comic manner. Now, if I were really good, I would do it with that Brian Cox accent, but I can't. You know, that was so good of Brian Cox. Read the whole book. And um, I... I was floored at his blurb, but the, my favorite, I don't know if you have the blurbs in front of you. I do. But the, I, the one that really knocked me out is Mike Reese, who was one of the, but Mike Reese, by the way, has been in the news because he had, Mike Reese is one of the original creators of The Simpsons, and he still is a producer and writer who contributes to The Simpsons. So this man, in terms of the comedic history, of the last 40 years mm. has been like standing tall. By the way, he's been in the news because a year ago he went actually went down to the Titanic on that same vessel. Right, right. Yes, he it was a major interview with him in the New York Post. Anyway, um, through a contact, I got to him, and I was fortunate that he knew me from my TV career. It wasn't just a guy writing, you know, an email. And, and he said, I'll be happy to read the book. So he read the book, and about three weeks later, you can read the blurb to me. I, I, I don't, but this is what, what he thought. Mike Reese from The Simpsons. Mike Reese says, not since Voltaire has someone written such an epic, funny takedown of the world in which we live. That's, that's pretty, pretty heady company right there, Bill. Yeah, I just, um, I, I was thrilled. I was really thrilled at that. And the process of writing the book, Rich, is such a, uh, for anybody out there who has an idea for a novel, fiction, or a memoir, or family history, once you actually sit down and just start doing it and put pen to paper or fingers to your computer or whatever, however you write, uh, the process is in immensely rewarding. I, I say to everybody, uh, I've given talks at libraries called, so you want to write a book. Many people I've met will say to me, you know, I had this, had this idea for a book, you know, I never did anything about it. <clears throat> if you don't want to be one of those people, just resolve to do it, get it down and see what happens. Get it down. 
Uh, so I wanted to mention, too, that in honor of Spike, a portion of the sales of Spike Unleashed will also uh, go to help uh, rescue operations around the country. Yeah, the animal rescue operations, because uh, in, in both books, <clears throat> there are uh, one dog is a rescue dog who appears in his book. Spike develops a new girlfriend named Jane, a golden retriever, and she's a rescue dog through the pandemic. And uh, at one point in the first book, Spike was kidnapped, uh, which happens to dogs. You know, people leave their dog outside a supermarket and they come out and the dog's not there. So I thought, <clears throat> I'm not being greedy. If, if I can make a little money and I can donate a portion of it to animal rescue charities, I will do it because I, I love dogs. I, I don't have a dog now. I just have this dog, Spike, who talks to me and, and you know when I need to write stuff with, with him. So I was able, very glad to do that, Rich. Very glad to do that. I was also, I was watching uh, recently, I think it was the Little Richard documentary, and I said, hey, I... I know that guy, and uh, I believe it was you interviewing yeah. Little Richard. Yeah, the uh, well, in <clears throat> I have a YouTube channel, Rich. I I, I really urge anybody who wants to see some some interviews with notable people. Um, it's Bill Boggs TV on YouTube. It's uh, go to Bill Boggs TV, subscribe. It's free. Every time we put, we just posted an interview with uh, Billy Jean King. Uh, before that, we posted an interview with. Pete Rose, and we've got one uh, coming up with the uh, actor Elliot Gould, and um, the post one with the Harlem Globetrotters great Curly 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 Neal, the bald bald basketball player. Uh, so there's a lot there, and uh, a few times a year, I get a call from the agent who represents my material. Uh, the one you're Natalie Wood, the Little Richard uh, interview is in two different documentaries on Little Richard. That there's a, my Sammy Davis interview was in his PBS documentary and the Miles Davis documentary. Uh, there's a clip of my interview with Miles Davis and all of the full interviews for the most part um, are on Bill Boggs TV on YouTube. And also I'd love to meet some of your friends there in Bangor on Instagram, uh, Real Bill Boggs on Instagram. I, I, and that was weird, but there was another one out there, and I had to make myself at the rear built, rear, real Bill Boggs, or there's also Spike underscore Wonder Dog on Instagram. You can keep up with what Spike has to say. Well, I can't wait, wait to read these new adventures of Spike, although I'm a little disappointed uh, from what I know about the book because I haven't, I haven't been back to New York City uh, since uh, before COVID, but it sounds like from the book maybe I... Maybe I don't want to go these days that it's a different world in the city. Well, what happens is Bud, Bud and uh, Spike return to New York for uh, the book is the book is set in four locales, North Carolina, where they have this television show at the same station where I work, WGHP TV. As a matter of fact, Thursday morning, WGHP TV will be interviewing me. I'm probably the only person in the world writing novels partially set in High Point, North Carolina. <laughs> so it's set in High Point in Thomasville, North Carolina, uh, Manhattan, Palm Beach, where the uh, Florida Man movie is filmed, and then out here in East Hampton. I say here because that's where I'm right now. And they're the three places I live, Manhattan, Palm Beach, and, and East Hampton. So I've got a lot of local references uh, in there. But what happens when they go back to New York, uh, there, there, and this is true. I have a little apartment in New York. 
There's so much pot smoking on the street right now that the city is sort of taking on the energy of a, a Mexican village on a 104 degree afternoon. I mean, you, you literally, if you go out for a 20 minute walk, 15 minute walk, it's impossible during that walk not to be smelling marijuana smoke. <laughs> there are all kinds of stores selling it. It's They're not legal. There's only like 10 legal stores in the state of New York, but within <laughs> within one block of where I live, there were three illegal ones uh, on, on the Upper West Side. So yeah, that, so they have they have a little bit little bit of fun with that. <laughs> Read all about it. The brand new book is Spike Unleashed from Post Hill Press, coming out uh, in July. You can learn more. Uh, order it now. Order it now. Just go to Amazon and order, uh, or or your local bookstore and order it. Uh, if you go to Amazon, just type in Bill Boggs B O G G S book. But if you have a local bookseller and you can say, I heard this guy Bill Boggs. I want to have some laughs this summer. Spike Unleashed. I always say patronize your local store if you can. Absolutely. If you're here in Eastern Maine, go see our friend Gibran at the Briar Patch. He'll be happy to get it for you. You'll want to read it. It'll be tell great. Him I, tell him I said hello. You know, I I, I'm, I love to go. Don't you love to go into a bookstore and just wander around? Mm, nothing better. And, and just buy one, you know, and sometimes it's months before you read the thing, but uh, it's just a, a wonderful feeling. And it's a feeling that's disappearing a little bit, you know, like society is changing. There are a lot of, I saw a guy, get this. I do a lot of this. If there's another book, this, I saw a man yesterday playing tennis with his racket in his right hand and his cell phone in his left hand. <laughs> and every time that like a, a ball went into the net, he'd quickly check his phone, L- literally playing a tennis match with his phone in his hand. <laughs> and it wasn't like he was waiting for a call or something. He was like, oh, typing. Then the guy was saying, come on, and he started up again. We are really living in a period of, of change, and that's for sure. Well, Spike has his paw on the pulse of America. You'll read all about it in the brand new book, Spike Unleashed. Bill, I wish you great success with the book. I can't wait to read it, and it's great to have you back on the show to talk about it once again. Any, anytime you're wanting for a guest, Call me. I, I love being. I, I love you. Your voice. Your your producer. Some at some point, I'm going to get up there to Maine. I keep hearing wonderful things about. I've been to Maine, but I haven't been there for like at least ten years. And I have friends now who are mid coastal Maine. They go up there for the summer. So at one point, I'm going to get going to get up there. Maybe this fall. All right. You, you let I, us know. You take it easy. Thank you very much. That's Bill Boggs with us here on Downtown. When we come back. Former NFL player Ryan Russell talks with us about his career and his book called The Yards Between Us. That's next after this from Cross Insurance. Since its founding in 1954, Cross Insurance has grown from a small family-owned agency that started in Bangor, Maine, into one of the largest super regional insurance agencies in New England. With the network of offices throughout New England, Cross Insurance works with top carriers to provide maximum value to you, your family, and your business. We are proud to be the official insurance broker of the New England Patriots and would welcome the chance to provide security for your team. For more information, visit CrossInsurance.com. Cross Insurance, where security meets strength. I have given you a long every day, every day, every day, every day I Back here on Downtown, former NFL player R.K. Russell 
has got a new book out that looks at his career and his decision to come out as the NFL's first openly bisexual player. book is called The Yards Between Us. Here's R.K. Russell on Downtown. Hey, R.K., thank you so much for being with us again. Hey, thank you for having me. I was checking back. It was uh, last fall when we talked to you, and, and the book was uh, in progress, in the works. How does it feel to finally have it out there in the world? Oh, my gosh. It's been a journey. Uh, definitely, you know, I've, I've done a lot of growing through it. I've, I've definitely become a better person, but now I just feel so proud to have it out and to have accomplished it. Um, I feel hopeful that, you know, that it is helping people and inspiring people and in, in, in at least a fraction of the way that it has done that for me. And, and I'm just, I'm, I'm super proud, super proud of it. Well, you should be. It, it's such a powerful book. I had a chance to read the whole thing last night and it was terrific. And, uh, well, your story is such a, an interesting and I think inspiring one. And it, it starts uh, early that you had to deal with loss from a, a very young age with the death of your dad. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, just talking about those very human moments um, are something that that can connect multiple people, you know, whether you identify as a bisexual person or LGBTQ plus person, whether you're a person of color or a black man, um, we all experience grief. We all experience loss. Uh, And that was kind of where my my experience began. And it's where I want to start it, where I wanted to start. Um, because at the end of the day, we can all seem so different, but we can all go through so many similar uh, things. And, and I think that's important to also create the empathy between human beings. She seems like such a remarkable woman. How lucky were you to have your mom in your life at that time? Oh, my gosh. So lucky to have her then, to have her now. Um, my mom's my best friend. We talk every day to this day um, for at least an hour on the phone. And, you know, there are people who, who get to just experience people and to get to be loved unconditionally. And I'm so fortunate to be one of those people that have had that so early on and continue to have that. I want to help people find that in their own life um, if they don't have it already. Uh, and I, and I want to be that for people. You know, my mother taught me a lot about what it just means to be a good person and how I can reciprocate that to the other people who, who meet me and experience me through this, through this journey. How important was your athletic ability, uh, not only in giving you confidence, but but helping you stand up to bullying, to racism, uh, a number of the things that you dealt with as a young man, uh, uh, well, all the way up through uh, the, the Jesuit school that you went to? Uh, did that ability you had enable you to deal with that at a different level? Uh, I definitely think it was a part of it. I mean, you know, just being an athlete at, at that point and now was so ingrained in who I am. Um, you know, there are things that athletics and that sport and football taught me uh, huge character values just about being accountable, about integrity, about hard work, a dedication, respecting someone else. So I, I think it's it's a huge part of who I am. It's a huge part of who I was at that moment. Uh, it definitely affected me in positive ways and allowed me to handle and navigate things. Um, but talent in sport can also kind of be a double-edged sword, especially for our youth. You know, I was also put in positions where I didn't say things that I wanted to say um, because of sport or because of the fear mm. of losing sport or alienating myself from it um, in some ways. So in times it empowered me, in times I let it or really my idea of it, my value of it over who I am or, or over um, whether it be social issues or just anything, um, I let that kind of also mute me at times and, 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 and dim me at times. Uh, so, so you know, it's a bit of a double-edged sword. I think that's what I still focus on now today with sport 
yes, I want to bring all the positives that it has to everyone, especially to the communities I feel need it the most, which are, you know, communities of color, which are the LGBTQ plus community, but also understand that it, it comes with a negative side that we all need to be aware of, that we all need to be actively working against, whether it be the mass, you know, whether it be toxic levels of masculinity, whether it be misogyny, whether, you know, whatever it is um, that we're all facing, regardless of our identity, we're all facing it for it. Uh, so, so just to be conscious of, 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 of both sides of it. We're talking with R.K. Russell. A new book is called The Yards Between Us, a memoir of life, love, and football. And certainly one of the most important people in the story, and your story, uh, is your wonderful friendship with Joe Gilliam. Can you talk about uh, what, what bonded you to and how important he was in your life? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, once again, I just met a phenomenal human being. I think Merce first and foremost, like, Outside of being an, also a black man, outside of being someone who at that time was 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 religious, um, would describe themselves as a, as a religious person, uh, a football player on the biggest level and in one of the biggest conferences in, in college football, and to be best friends with me and to be loving and accepting of me, for me to be the first person, for him to be the first person I came out to, and just his response of of um, brotherhood and camaraderie. Uh, was huge. It, it was huge for me, but it also showed me a glimpse of what life could be like, of the capacity of people, regardless of their um, religion or background or how they grew up or the sport that they play, their capacity to love another human being, to respect another human being, and to accept another human being was, was, was monumental in, in my journey. Well, and getting to know him through your eyes and your story was great, and that made it even harder um, to read about his loss at such a young age. Definitely, definitely. Once again, just a, a tragic thing, but um, something that I think a lot more people uh, face um, than we're privy to, than we talk about. Um, and it put a lot of things in perspective for me, honestly, uh, you know, just to understand the, the fragility of life and the, the unexpectedness and, and how I really can't take any second for granted um, hiding um, the secret or a part of myself or in living in anything that feels less than a full human experience um and and you know for me it, it took a bit of a trauma it took a bit of a journey and i don't want that to, to be the case for other people i don't want anyone to have to lose someone or go through something very traumatic um to decide to love themselves better um or to discover themselves or to be proud of themselves uh so i hope that this book you know people can go through that journey with me um and, and can see my story that way that they, it doesn't have to take so much for them how did watching the movie brokeback mountain Open your eyes and maybe help you change your perspective a little bit. It's so funny because that's like the part of the book where I, I even say in the book, like felt very <laughs> intense, cringy to me because it, it just, it just seemed like a very like stereotypical moment in movie. But when the media and the representation, especially at that time is so limited, there's only so much to pick from. Mm. Uh, I think was the first moment that I kind of realized the physical attraction, or at least the reaction um, that a same gender person can have on me or that same gender, same sex relationships could have um, on me. And it kind of opened my eyes. It didn't really solidify anything for me. Um, it just created more questions. Being a bisexual person, I also feel like there's an added layer, one of like erasure of the bi community, but also uh, just an added part of your journey where you go from straight to automatically being thrust into thinking you're gay or to people perceiving you as gay um, to 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 kind of not have any middle ground. So it 
if anything, it created more questions for me and my identity, and it took extra learning and experiences and, and, and self-reflection to understand that that I about my bisexuality, that I, I am bisexual and have always been. You wrote so eloquently in the book about uh, the struggles you had leading up to telling your mom. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my mother, like, like I talk about just the closest person to me, an amazing person, but also someone that has sacrificed so much for me to get to where I am now, um, to get to where I even was then. So, so I didn't want her first and foremost to feel like she had in any way um, done less than that, that she could have in any way been a better mother because she couldn't have been, you know, anything that would be deemed as, as something would be from out society or be from outside of our family, not actually how her and I inter- interacted, not actually how she mothered me. Um, you know, and then there was a question of sport because my mom also understood how much I had sacrificed for sport and the implications that coming out would have. The first words she said to me as I came out were, what about football? And it was <laughs> something that at that time, you know, hurt me a bit, but it was also so true. It was such a reflection of the question I had posed to myself all these years and the reason I hadn't come out for all these years. And a reflection of how society at that time saw people, LGBTQ plus people in sport. Um, and it was that that I wanted to change. Uh, you know, my mother, she changed it herself. We were able to talk and she was able to to understand that those two things weren't at odds. Um, and, and that's the hope for the growth that I, I want for other people as well, to not see these two things as opposing things, but to see them um, living in harmony. Because they do, you know, whether we know it or not, there are LGBTQ plus athletes at the professional level now amongst us in male and female sports. Uh, and there will continue to be, uh, and that is just how the world is. We want we want to make spaces feel more inclusive and warm to those athletes. You told us when we talked last fall, uh, progress is not linear, and uh, we're seeing that every day right now. When the LGBTQ plus community is under attack in some circles, it's important to remember that uh, it doesn't all happen at once. Progress doesn't come in a day, but that makes keeping up that fight even more important. Exactly. Exactly. It doesn't happen in a day, but it also doesn't happen if we don't keep pressing forward, mm. if we don't keep making the change, if we don't call um, these organizations and businesses and companies uh, to be accountable, if we don't hold them accountable. Um, it is not linear, but the constant pursuit of it should be consistent um, and, and it should be viable. We should be able to see it. And I believe we are. I think every year, especially I'll talk in terms of male sports and the NFL, I see different efforts being made. I see more progress being made. Um, you know, to encourage professional athletes to come out is something that I feel like is not my main focus and shouldn't really be the main focus of male sports. I think it's about the culture starting um, at a very young age and, and cultivating a place that, that can be safe for LGBTQ plus youth. Um, I think that way you will have more LGBTQ plus people staying in sport early, getting in sport early, being supported, um, and going into these professional leagues already being out, not having to live their whole life in the closet. And then once they reach this pinnacle um, to make a very hard and tough decision, uh, personally, like I said, not even about the effect of the career, but a personal decision to come out, uh, I, I think is, is a misguided attempt. I think we should start young um, because that is our future, and that is really what is propelling sport forward is, is, is the youth. I was happy to read uh, that we share a superpower. You wrote that your superpower is sleeping. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Anytime, yes, sir. anywhere, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I literally, I can be on a 17-hour road trip. I can be on a flight at any time, any moment. 
I fall asleep and get a pretty good night's sleep. Uh, when you realize that is a surprise and other people don't have that effect, I think you treasure it even more. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the book is tremendous. The Yards Between Us, A Memoir of Life, Love, and Football. I, I hope every football fan reads it, but people who don't care about the game, you'll learn a lot about uh, where we're going and the progress that still needs to be made. Uh, it's an inspiring work. Uh, Ryan, thank you so much for talking with us today. We wish you much luck with the book and continued success in the work that you're doing that's so important. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. R.K. Russell talking with us about his book, The Yards Between Us. Our thanks to him and to Bill Boggs and to you, of course, for joining us this week. On Downtown, brought to you by Cross Insurance, where security meets strength. We'll see you next time.